0: Hello, everyone. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is brought to you proudly by Protus Global. Look, my guest today co-founded a business that uh, works in facilitation consultancy dedicated to the service of the cannabinoid industry. Formed, This business was formed following the identification of an absolute need with those within the industry to have easy and simplified access to the necessary range of professionals, each with years of regulatory scientific experience behind them. This consultancy is led by Mr. Steve Oliver. He's the co-founder of the Canna Consultants and uh, welcome Steve here to our show on Plant Profits today.
1: Thank you very much, Vernon. Uh, I'm honored to be a guest. It's great to talk
0: to you. Big fan of Plant Profits, and uh, I'm looking forward cool. to our conversation. uh oh, i say same, same, man. I, I, I am very much looking forward to the work, the groundwork that you and your team have done, and the different uh, uh, countries in the world. So, right now, you are where? Okay. So
1: right now, I'm in, I'm in London. I'm in the UK. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, just come back from um, some cultivation in Greece and North Macedonia. A few days back in the UK before we're on the road again.
0: Okay, and and typically your work is done in what what geography? Is it all UK uh, European? Or are you in the South America? Where are you? Okay, pretty much we, we we're global. I mean, we would like to know okay. least in the more
1: UK more. Um, okay, that'd probably come on to the UK is quite restrictive, so we worked in. Sub-Saharan Africa, we worked in South America, we worked in places as diverse as Armenia,
0: Malta, right. and the States. Right, right, great. Let's just back up for the for the audience and just really talk about what a Consultants is all about, Steve. Because the journey to get to where you are today is very intriguing about the path that you took personally and then you have built a team around uh, some core competency needed for the industry.
1: Okay, the, I mean the backstory for me goes back to about yeah 1988. So I'm one of the few people that's been in and around cannabis uh, and I can have yes. this for over 30 years. Probably not in the way that people would imagine, but I, you know. So I I started off in drug enforcement. I, I went through phase of undercover work, uh, which is a young man's game, and I spent 11 years doing that around and um, both cannabis and and you know Class A drugs. So I know firsthand yeah. the war on drugs just doesn't work. You know, I was disillusioned as a, as a young man, and then. Right. I, my path took me into sort of regulatory uh, legal background, and I worked in Europe, heading up an environmental law consultancy and, and work at the KPMG. And the big thing then was we were helping a lot of companies uh, on the other side of the pond side, who were looking to come into Europe. And at that mm-hmm. stage, great, Europe's this massive market. And then they realized that you've got, at that stage, 23 different countries with disparate laws, no harmonization, and, and, a, and a patchwork of regulation. Right. <laughs> Move forward, it's not too dissimilar now with with cannabis, Um, but I I got back into cannabis when my mother was was terminally ill with Alzheimer's disease, and really, there was very little treatment available. She had what's called bruxism, where you you, you grind your teeth away. You know, she didn't know who I was. The solution was to remove her teeth, and I thought there has to be an alternative. So at that stage, there were no CBD oils on the market, but in, in Holland, they were selling cannabis extracts, which were high cbd i acquired some it was miraculous so it it you could see that it alleviated some form of inner anxiety that was still remained within my mother and at that point i was sold and i started to look at when was that steve yeah that would have been 2014 15 okay yeah okay and um, and it was clear to me that there, there was just a lack of any form of structure and that no. on the bottom side so People were selling products which were purporting to be illegal, but they were being made in kitchens, so you didn't know what they contained. There were no COA. Absolutely. Yeah. Regulators didn't know what to do. My co-founder, Matthew, Matthew Lawson, is a regulatory barrister still working in and out the courts and I said, look, we need to look at the the legal framework here and identify what can and can be done. So we started off looking at the laws around control cannabinoids here, THC, Delta 8-9. And right. There were trade associations and lawyers providing false information. I think they genuinely believed it, but they were, they were giving people the foundation blocks for businesses, which were just leaving them open to, to drugs legislation. So we got into the can of consultants by identifying a need. And, wh- and what we first thought was we'd, we'd create like the bat phone. So we thought what we'd do is uh, uh, this, this red telephone for businesses. So they would yeah. an insurance premium to us. And when the shit hit the fan, or when the regulators came, hey, when yeah. they in. uh I'm not sure. I'd like to say I was the Batman, but I, yeah, Matt probably wasn't life. But that that was that would be the service. But there was no, enforcement, you know, Vernon. There was no enforcement, and that 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 just wasn't the way. So so we
0: we started to look at the legislation, and then we got wait 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 a minute, hold on, before you you get there. So you and Steve, you guys create. Steve, you, you guys created a business and it was almost like a phone boot. Yeah. Yeah. So I got into trouble. I need help. Yes. Yeah. So it was kettling reactive and not proactive. It, it was that, but it
1: then became absolutely proactive because when the yeah. hell, it was yeah. how to get into this. How do I do this? Wh- what is right. the, why can't I get a bank? How can I get investment? And and then we had this diverse range of people contacting us, and that included governments. So our God. major gig was a government saying, um, "We want to we want to implement legislation to allow for the the cultivation and provision of medicinal cannabis, not recreational." How do we do that? So we had this strange situation that we went from looking at protecting people from regulators and governments to initially working with them. And developing the framework, yeah, the, the evolution of the, of the the consultancy itself was was upside down. I think that's the best part. And
0: and so, what happened after you you dove into this thing and you you start engaging people through this phone booth kind of service, and you could start to turn it into a more proactive situation? When did you decide to put your team together? I think the the main we realized that we needed to overstaff it when
1: we had a situation in... It, when the UK was still part of Europe in 2018-19, they okay. classified CBD as being a novel food. So it's this construct, which, which means that they deem it unsafe. So you've got grass, which is generally regarded as safe. The attitude of regulators in Europe and the UK is everything's generally regarded as unsafe until you can mm-hmm. it is. So they, right. they put this huge I regulatory can't. obstacle in front of companies that were already... Providing uh, services, so that's when the team grew. Then we realized that there was a an equal gap in medicinal cannabis, and unlike the states, medicinal cannabis is 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 totally insulated here. So we have no rec- regulatory. So we have no recreational use. We have lots, but none of it's lawful. Low. right, across, right. Across Europe, there is no legalization of cannabis. There is some decriminalization, but that's yeah. entirely because that means that the state still has the power to arrest, imprison, penalize. They just choose not to enforce it, or they enforce it selectively. But that means you can't get a bank account, you can't get a business loan, you can't operate, you can't move the goods, and it just helps organize crime and the black market. So yeah. we started looking at... I- I'm familiar, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just another abject failure. Um, so the business then grew, and we had, I suppose, two new, two new areas where we had to expand. One was we had companies in Canada and America, South America, who were who were manufacturing isolates, distillates and full-spectrum oils for that burgeoning CBD indus- industry, and they wanted to know how they could enter the UK and the European market. So that became the second focus. Third- it's to, get, to getting these operators into Europe. Yeah, how they can be compliant. Okay. Because okay. At the moment, crazy is as it is, we've got this huge CBD market because there's no recreational use, and yet a lot of people see the therapeutic benefit. But some people just want a piece of cannabis. The CBD is the only way they get it here, you know. Uh, and that's just, you know, it's a fact. So the the, the problem that they had there's no like yes. UK for you to actually, you can't cultivate hemp and utilize the flowers and buds. You can only use it for stalk store seed So okay. there's no industry. The the people that are manufacturing are buying their ingredients from the likes of Mile High, Jancana, Bavisierlo. Mm-hmm. Any any trace THC, it would be it's considered to be narcotics. So there's no licensing framework in the UK. So we then realised the next thing is okay, we need to lobby, we need to engage with governments and start to bring these disparate agencies together because crazily in the UK, and I won't limit the conversation to the UK, but it's important to understand. We have the Home Office here that deal with drugs, uh, and cannabis falls under, under that as a control cannabis. And we've got this 60-year period of prohibition. So the very people that we're asking now to facilitate a new industry are the ones who demonize cannabis and still do. So we've got some old heads there that need to roll before we can bring the new blood blood. Yeah, and yeah. have got a food agency that's...
0: Sells- but how are you going to do that, though? I mean, mm-hmm. how are those people going to be displaced or how are you going to change their mind uh, uh, to to change the dynamic in the European market? Time is what's happening. We've, we've seen ge- Germany. In fact, much yeah. better opportunity. Germany went, went through with Let's let's do this, Steve. Let's take a break and then I want to talk about Germany. That's the topic I want to talk about because I could be hearing these positive waves coming out of Germany. This is Vern Davis. I'm your host, A Plant. Profits and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. Uh, my guest today is exciting, Steve Oliver. He's the co-founder of Canna Consultants. And he teaches people in other parts of the world how to get into cannabis business legally. I think that's the best set. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, Mr. Steve Oliver, he is the co founder of Canna Consultants. And we're just embarking on a conversation about the different markets in the the European market. And we landed on Germany. Germany's been a hot topic. We hear about it here in the United States a lot about, hey, this is a gateway, maybe opportunity uh, for cannabis in, uh, in that part of the world. So, Steve, tell us what's going on there and what can other countries learn or not learn from them? Okay, so let's. what's going on? Uh, best of luck, yes. listeners, keep
1: your checkbooks and your credit cards in your pocket because Germany is not the new go-to country. So, okay. situation, so we had an election. As with all these things, people want to win votes. So you had a, a coalition of parties saying, hey, guys, we're going to legalize cannabis. Uh, yeah. They all got voted. Well, it's no surprise that a manifesto claim doesn't always manifest itself when somebody's sitting in power. So what happened was they then then they made these big de- declarations, and we said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's not that easy. You can't do that because yeah. you're part of the European Union and you've got the you know the UN 61 Convention. Let's not even go there." So what's happened is over the course of the, of 14 months, we've got to the situation where, where they don't have legalization. I'm going to come back to why they don't because that's the lesson and that that's where the solution is. But they don't okay. have that. You've got this cannabis club model. So it's it means that you 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 could have a situation where you register as a cannabis club. Oh, there are limits on the supply. You've got to cultivate, you've got to have a security. Where you can place that is so restrictive that you're gonna to have to put it on an industrial estate outside of the city, so you're not gonna get the football and not get anybody there. So essentially, we've ended up with a situation where there is no legalization of cannabis. There is an opportunity, probably for a very, very limited number of cannabis clubs, where someone can go and hold 50 grams, and there's there's no opportunity for somebody to make money. So there's no commercial sense in doing this, and because of where they they can be placed, it's not a bit it's not a viable business. So why did we get there? Well, we got there for two reasons. We are signatories to the United Nations, you know, conventional drug. Mm-hmm. The first thing I'd say about that is when you actually read. When you read the purpose of the United Nations, okay, it's to protect society. It's it's to it's to protect citizens, and mm-hmm. it, it, keep that in your mind that the, the protection against social harm. And then the second thing okay. we have is the European Union, and they've got three pillars: so one security, and then they've got free movement people and free movement mm-hmm. goods. So mm-hmm. free goods means that if you're Germany, if your neighbours have prohibition for cannabis then there can't be any transportation and they have a veto they can object. So what what Germany and now the Czech Republic are are potentially trying to do is they need to break through two glass ceilings. And the first is there's a human rights issue with regard to the United Nations. So we can actually argue successfully, we should be able to as a nation to argue successfully that the war on drugs has failed. The Mm increase of crime, the black market leads to social deprivation. It it, it it leaves people open to, to harm, and there is an alternative way of doing this. We've got examples. I call it the hokey-cokey. I don't know if you've heard of that dance over there. We haven't. Yeah. 11, okay. So yeah. you can go in and out of that convention. Now, Bolivia did it. So Bolivia said, look, we're, we're not having this. We've chewed the coca leaf here for yeah. hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. So we're we're we are having an, an exemption. We're coming out. We're going back in and saying our people, because of traditional use, can chew the coca leaf. And you know what? The council said that's no problem. Why? Because they didn't think it was a threat, because no one's going to be chewing coca leaf in London or in New York because we haven't got any, because they, like, make it into cocaine. And Mm -hmm. then Uruguay Uruguay did the same. So Uruguay came out and went back in. So there's an opportunity to actually bypass the United Nations and, and stand up as a nation and say, look, drugs are doing harm, and they're doing harm not necessarily because it's physically harming somebody or smoking cannabis is bad, they're doing harm because it's a black market, they're doing harm because of crime, we've got county lines, we've got young children getting dragged into drug dealing. Why don't we legalise drugs, allow adults to make a choice, we'll protect minors, but that'll allow us to invest in neighbourhoods, education, and we can protect people. But Germany didn't do that, so Germany... Got their boats. They got into power. They sat back and said, "This is too big a problem. It's too too problematic." So, hey ho, nothing happens. And that bad news doesn't travel across the Atlantic. So the news that came out in MJ Biz and everybody, which was great, fantastic news. So what happens when the bad news comes out? We call it, you know, you put the dead cat on the table. You you just you just leave it until it's a bit quiet. (laughs) Same things happened with Thailand. Yeah, Thailand. We 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 hosted the 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 minister for traditional medicine, and they made this announcement in Thailand again for political reasons. We're going to legalize cannabis. They had no distinction. They had no testing facilities, and they made no distinction between what was and what wasn't lawful. So their distinction was sativa is unlawful indica. Is law, and they gave away a million plants. So I don't know if you heard about this, Vernon, but they gave away a million plants. So you've got a million plants out there that people are sticking on the windows.
0: Th- th- this is in Thailand specifically.
1: Thailand specifically,
0: okay. yeah.
1: A good hundred thousand of those plants were OJ Kush. You know, what? They they are buying the TAC strains, and then yeah, somebody getting some hemp, and then cookies. Loads of companies went shooting into Thailand and then they found out yeah. okay to have a company in Thailand Thais have to hold a majority shareholding right now there's a massive issue with the fact that um, they're worried that there's nothing in the legislation to protect minors so do they do they allow you to grow up at home if you've got kids or not got kids so Thailand same good news fantastic message everybody flopped over there flights are now full of businessmen and businesswomen and people leaving Thailand because it's just not working, and the and the Thais have a, a fantastic history with cannabis. So their their traditional medicines go back over 600 years. And it, I mean, this is probably for another day. But for an example, utilizing some cannabinoids for for um, diabetes, what what they've learned is that cannabis on its own wasn't efficient. So they use other traditional traditional herbs. You know, and they've got this herb, mm-hmm. really Andrographis paniculata. Okay, so this this herb has been used for hundreds of years to treat colds. When the pandemic hit with COVID, Thai prison, prisoners were given this herb, and they had no outbreaks in their prisons. So the wow. Thai, Thais know about cannabis. Yes. Yeah. But again, ill-thought-out legislation, which is easy to to abuse, and appeasing voters. So I think what we need is an honest conversation here, ben, and We need we need if we need to question people if they say we're going to legalize cannabis.
0: Yeah. Don't want How, yeah. So let's. I want to go back to Germany because, as you said, the cat's on the table and it's starting to smell, right? Yeah. So, wh- what is happening there now? What What's going to happen? Let's Let's go back a few years to come back.
1: So certain areas of, of uh, Germany have been really pushing for for decriminalization or or, or yeah. tolerance of this and other drugs use, so, such as Berlin, metropolitan Bohemian areas, very very pro. Germany splits. So certain areas of Germany are very, very prohibitive and anti drugs So what's happened now is we've had the first draft of the legislation which will allow for these cannabis clubs. And a cannabis club has to be a group of people that get together in a certain area. They have a permitted cultivation, but the cultivation can only be for the people within that club. And they can't, they can't buy in cannabis. They can't supplement crop shortages or the yields with a third party. And the restrictions which 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 you know your your listeners can can easily find. So just search for you know um, cannabis clubs Germany first draft. You'll see that to have a commercial cannabis club, there is a long list of criteria about where it can and cannot be. In fact, there's a very short list of where it can be. There's an exceptionally long list, as usual, of where it can't be. And it means that these are going to be out of town or
0: industrial estates. And they- that's your point. Yeah. Yeah. And the- so what 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 Steve, what do you guys do? I mean, who calls you? Okay, so we have a. Re- what do you answer the phone to? Yeah,
1: and what do you do? Okay, so we have American companies who, at the moment, fall into categories. So we know that in 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 America and and and, and Canada at the moment, there is an over supply of flour. Okay, so you got this flour. Yeah, A great deal of it is grown under GmP. So in order for for cannabis flour to be used in Europe and the UK. Uh, on a private prescription. It has to be GMP. So you have got this huge oversupply in Canada and America, and they now see the UK and Germany for the private prescriptions and Europe as a, as a market. So they want to know what regulatory boxes do we tick? How do we get our products in, into into the UK? A lot of them were bringing flour, which wasn't GMP, into places like Portugal, and it was going into a yeah. processing facility. Now, the Germans have just said, no, you can't do that anymore. We want the we want GMP at the point you pack the flour, so clients are finding a regulatory landscape that changes it. It, it evolves. There's a there's a massive shift from from medicinal. So when I say medicinal, I'm, I'm, I'm a medicinal. So imagine it's pharmaceutical. I'm, I'm treating an identified illness. So let's say I'm trying to reduce spasticity and multiple cirrhosis. Or I'm trying to treat children with refractory epilepsy. You can't give the vape, so they can't smoke a joint. You can't give them a vote. They need something that looks like a pharmaceutical traditional item. So they want a tablet. They want a capsule. They want an oil. They want a patch. So we're looking at different right. delivery mechanisms. There are pathways. There's the pharmaceutical pathway where cannabis is an ingredient for them to use. And then there are there are a lot of cannabis cultivators that want their products to, to enter that with this market. So that that's a big I, business.
0: Yeah. Held that dog because we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. I want to really dive into Canna Consultants, okay? And I think that that's real important for, for our audience. Hey, I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. And my guest today is Mr. Steve Oliver, co-founder of Canna Consultants. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. My guest today is Mr. Steve Oliver? He's the co-founder of Canada Consultants. And Steve, so we we're talking about in our last segment, we we're talking about what's actually going on and and how do you get involved, right? What do you do for your clients? We've evolved. So if we,
1: we're involved in cultivation space planning, so we'll help people. I, you know, I'm not I'm not here to tell somebody a master grower how to grow plants and 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 how to you know how to to. Fertigate, I'm not here to tell them about transportation, but I can help them with how you design a facility so that it's going to be regulatory compliant, so you can achieve. Okay. You may already have that, and then you you want to export. Let's take Canada. So you know the mechanisms with Health Canada. You know the ball eight where you've got to go through the applications, but then you've got yeah. to have an import. So we'll help you with how how you're going to import that and satisfy the regulatory body. And because we've got you know 27 european states we've got the uk now we've got these emerging nations every single different line of business is is unique so you may be familiar with the fda you may be familiar with the mm-hmm. may maybe familiar with health canada but are you familiar with the regulatory authority in germany or in poland or in in sweden for example or in, in the uk so we facilitate the business we we look at labeling so we have a t- our team who will help you go through the labeling, certificates of analysis, buying mm-hmm. the proper laboratory. So some companies don't accept American COAs. So they need to be accredited or certified from different regulatory bodies. We will look at product development. So if you came to us and said, we're selling a whole load of this strain and it's it's going out in our dispensary, we have to explain that a medical dispensary in the States is totally different to the medical market in, mm-hmm. in Europe UK. So, for example, if I'm in Delaware, I go up. I pick my, uh, you know, I, I pick my five grams. If it's medical, mm-hmm. I go to that. If it's recreational, I go to that till. Right. That's not how I have. So in the UK, we have to go through a home office license, and for the import, then we have to have the product recognised by our medicines health regulatory authority, and it has to be approved before it can go into a dispensary, and then a clinic can issue a private prescription, and that person can get the medicine. So we have such a we have such a a high level a, a high bar that you need to exceed before you can actually get to market okay. so we try okay. to unroll the bat
0: and 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 hold people's hands And just walk them through how long does it take i mean if everything is smooth how long okay. does that take yeah
1: okay how long is a piece of string? T- depends what we're dealing with so if okay. you've got a if you've got approval and you, your products already coming from the states and is going into germany then, then it, it's it's a much quicker process to 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 move that across to the UK. If you're a first time entrant into into Europe or the UK, it's, it's it's a longer process. So it depends on consistency, quality, and the records that you hold. Yeah, crazy things such as the pesticides that are tested for. Pesticides used in the US are totally different to those used in certain parts of Europe and the UK. So, uh, you know, a standard pesticide test may not be looking at the issues we need. Here we like to look at PCBs, PABs, the type of dioxins, the microbial. It, it may be that you're doing everything that satisfies one regulator, but you need to validate that or increase the testing. How long does it take? The more, the more the more knowledge you have, the faster it is. That's
0: most opportunities for you now. Where are you finding that that you and the team are spending most of your time? I think w- the, the market's changed. So
1: if okay. you're business pre-COVID, people were throwing money at you. You know, we had people standing there with a kilo of butt and all of a sudden they're valuing their business at $10 million and they were getting it, you know. Yeah. Now, now people want to have a little bit of a deeper dive and open the bonnet and the war in Ukraine post-COVID, it's made investment very difficult. So what we're seeing is on two sides. We're seeing investors saying, can you have a look at this for me? So yeah. Four years ago, I had investors in the States who were signing off for, you know, a million dollars on the basis of the debt. Now they're calling us and saying, can you, can you perform some due? To, can you check on the other right, side, Yeah. People who are looking to raise that, that deck with this aspirational finger in the air valuation is no longer sufficient. So they we're no. advising people on the blocks they need to
0: add value to the business to attract that investment.
1: So okay. that's growing.
0: Well, what we're finding here in the States is that, I mean, to get money now, you, you need to show progress in the yeah. business, right? Yeah. Even early stage is requiring the people. I mean, those decks are not, kind of useless, worthless, you know? I
1: still, I still do work here sometimes, you know I mean? I, I still Yeah. I mean, you get the right C-suite on, and, and maybe, you know, you get some cedars, but, yeah, it, it, it's...
0: Yeah, if you have the right people involved, you may get money because of their reputation. Yeah. But, uh, yeah.
1: Ne- I think the first item now is you need to you need to obtain the license, do your groundwork, get your premises, mm-hmm. and then you tell people that, that, that there is a real pathway to some form of return because so many people have their fingers burnt. So I think, yeah, due diligence looking looking at a business
0: proposition and saying is this valid on both right. sides. Right. Right. Um, no, it's great. That's great. What what where do you see the size of the opportunity? Because you know, there's five countries in 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 Europe that is basically the size of the u s market. I mean, so it's huge opportunity uh, potential
1: yeah, I think you need to be patient. I think you need to be honest. so okay so smart money or the big money that's coming in now is using medicinal as a as a stock so mm-hmm. they'll they'll build their facility they'll they'll achieve their certifications and they'll generate some revenue but the moment mm-hmm. that, tap, that the moment that recreational tap is turned on and it will happen. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's seven or eight years away in the uk but i think in europe it's probably four to five then mm-hmm. then you then you do have the green rush because at that stage they're still going to want you to meet certain standards to grow the marijuana and to be able to sell it and sell all of the skus. but if you've got that infrastructure in place all you need is the distribution and i i think the smart money here is okay we're in the med- medical space but are we really in the medical space, or are we waiting for for legalization? Where we, you know, we are going to pivot. We're not selling our genetics there. We're set, we, we're going to try and capture that black market, and and that's that's when the market in Europe will be bigger because we've seen in the states that the problem with legal weed is it's still more expensive than illegal weed. That's right. Most people have a dealer that they may have used for the past 5, 10, 20, 30 years. They're consistent. yeah. So yeah, how do you transition them? And we are behind. Done. Every aspect. So another thing we try and do is learn the lessons from
0: from the U.S. From the U.S. Yeah, and a lot of those are mistakes. Escape. And we try and learn from you. Well, that's great, and hopefully we become better teachers <laughs> in well, the future. <laughs> yeah. it's, well, it, it's fascinating
1: to see the transition between. So we had all these heritage growers that came into Colorado when I was spending time there. You got guys who are absolute masters of their art, and then you've got they come up you know, against the CEO who comes from a commercial background and they want them in at 9am and they're expecting, yeah. And these guys are coming in with a, with a, with a peak on the back, about one stoned.
0: Yeah. Like, none. And, and it's it, how you marry those two up. Um, no, it's, it's, it's magic. Yeah. There's a little magic involved here. No, you're, 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 you're absolutely correct, Steve. And man, I really want to thank you being on the show today. Uh, all of us behind the scenes and, In front here, we at Plant Profits really thank you, Steve. You have, as we could hear, you have a big task. There's just a lot of gray area, a lot of things moving in your geography, in your marketplace, and hopefully, like I said, that the U.S. can be at some point a really good teacher of what to do. I think we're a damn good teacher what not to do right now. So that helps a lot. That moves. That moves. You know, that, that moves you forward, and I really thank you for, for joining us, and I want to thank all of all of our listeners for joining us here on the Plant Profits uh, podcast. My guest today was Mr. Steve Oliver. He is the co-founder of Canna Consultants, and as you could hear in this podcast, that he has a big job to do. And you can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to all major podcast platforms and outlets, right? Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, et cetera. And look at Protus Global, my company, and look at us at, and all the social media platforms. We are there, man. Instagram, everywhere. We are there. And really, you could take a look at how what what we do in the market space, how we are b- helping to build companies, creating value, and how we're helping to change lives as and what we do on a daily basis. And that's Protus Global. That's P-R-O-T-I-S, global.com. Until next time, this is Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits. Cheers.